This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your host, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go! Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast, where it is a special Sunday slash Monday edition of the show. Because the Seahawks didn't play. They lost on Thursday night. We're slowly getting over that. We're going to round up week 15 of the rest of the NFL action. And we're also going to talk about how that impacts Seattle. Yes, the Denver draft pick is still a thing. Yes, Seattle could still make the playoffs. And then we're going to dive into a bit of the Seahawks-Panthers tape because we didn't have a chance to do that. And also look at the 49ers game. But first, NFL scores. Ty, were you sick? Did you watch Denver again? I was Christmas shopping this uh, this time All around. Right. Yeah, I wasn't. Uh, I, I didn't go full sicko this week, uh, and maybe that's uh, that's you know the reason that the Broncos won this game because I wasn't watching, of course. So uh, they put up the most points they have in a in a win this year, or out of like. Second most points in a game this year? Yeah. No, it was reassuring that ownership actually held Russell Wilson out of that game. Uh, well, if you believe the report. But right. it's reassuring that Russell Wilson didn't play, despite his intention to. Interesting how it came out that he really wanted to play and it was ownership who held him out. You know, we're used to that sort of reporting. But anyway, yeah, Denver won 24-15 with... Quarterback by Brett Rippian, but it was mainly the fact that Colt McCoy got hurt for the Cardinals. <laughs> They're already dreadful, but then in came Trace McSorley, who was abysmal. And now I was a bit concerned, me not knowing the playoff formula, because the Cardinals are now 4-10 and the, and the Broncos are now 4-10. and And I was like, oh no, what happens to Seattle's draft pick? Are they picking now? behind Arizona however for whatever reason Seattle still possesses the number three overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft if the season ended today so good news could you, it doesn't matter could you imagine if that game like determined if Jalen Carter goes to the Cardinals or the Seahawks oh my be very word. sad that It'd would be, be sad. sad and that is the sort of player that they would be interested in I imagine indeed so but also will anderson yes also yeah. will anderson so if, uh, if, if if jalen's out of the picture we don't have to fret too much because if will's there you know we can still be happy about that well guys i don't i don't know if you read or not but jalen carter apparently has character issues that might drive him down the board yes yeah, like any college defensive lineman who's a bit too good so i'm just yeah. like i watched one play where he uh he uh, didn't run at full speed because the run was a wide sweep completely away from him. He and unstrapped that makes him his a helmet a little person. aggressively. Uh, yes. r- real quick, Hawk65 said, so what do you do if both Carter and Anderson, and Anderson are off the board with the Hawks pick? Honestly, think about receiver. Jordan I mean, Addison? I, don't, yeah. I feel like Addison probably should go like the 8 to 12 range, but who cares? He's, mm. I mean one of these guys are going to be really good. So just You know what I was it. thinking as well, Griff? Like, it, just before Lockett ended up getting hurt, I was like, 
it would be a real shame if Seattle didn't make the playoffs this year because the Metcalf-Lockett duo is historically brilliant and Lockett is aging. And, you know, you don't know how long it's going to end. The NFL always ends very suddenly. They just, you know, often fall off a cliff or have a career-ending injury. Hopefully that doesn't happen with Lockett, but you're like, every year, like, oh, damn, we kind of could have used... I wish we'd had a playoff run with that. And now Lockett's broke his hand. So, and, you know, D. Eskridge, again, injured this season, hasn't really got playing time, has been usurped by veteran Marquise Goodwin. They need to address receiver probably more aggressively, you know. So it's a great shout. Um, But yeah, there are, they'll have options. They might trade down also. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Like I can see the argument for taking a round two receiver, given that there's always a plethora of receiving options out of the draft with how college football is, and you can do pretty good out of round two guys. I I need to uh, look I'll back. I'll take one day flowers, please. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. How too. do you know all these names already? I'm well. See, I don't. Like I don't know how to compare. I don't know how to contextualize them. I because I haven't seen enough of other guys, but I just like these guys a lot. And this for all those cats that I was balling with. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's almost that season, boys. It's almost that season. It is, but not yet. Not yet. And okay. so, playoff picture wise. Notable results were all pretty bad. So the Lions won 20 to 17 over the Jets in a tight game. The Lions are now seven and seven. Seattle obviously has the tiebreaker over Detroit, but Detroit look real. Like they're one of the very few teams in the NFC that has a positive points differential. Seattle does not, if you were wondering, but you, you probably shouldn't be. And then uh there was another NFC team who Oh, the Panthers lost, so I guess that's good. They're five and nine to so get them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that that um that Lions game was the big game, and currently we have the Giants beating the Commanders, which again good that would put the Giants at eight five and one, and the Commanders at seven six and one. Obviously, Seattle beat the Giants, whereas they did, so they have the tiebreaker, whereas they didn't beat the Commanders, so they don't have a chance on that. And if you quickly look at the Broncos' schedule, going back to that, the big game is Christmas Eve. Because I personally think the Cardinals won't win another game. They're abysmally bad. They're almost, it looks like they're trying to lose, Uh, especially on offense. But so if they lose out, the Broncos, you just hope, don't win. And then Seattle's all good for the third overall pick. Denver plays Christmas Day at the Rams. The four and nine Rams. So hopefully Baker Mayfield triumphs over whatever Denver's rolling out a quarterback. And then they're at the Chiefs, which they should not win, and then host the Chargers, who are pushing for the playoffs. So you'd really hope that the Chargers don't completely crap themselves. How are we feeling about that now that those teams are tied? Um. What is the Lions' remaining schedule? Let's look this up. Oh, that, well, that's that's a bit. Um, you don't really want to look at that, to be honest. You want to look uh, at that? Oh, scary. Oh, 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 oh! I understand now. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well. At Carolina you, versus you, Chicago at Green Bay. You sure you just don't want to talk about draft stuff tonight? Yeah, we can. You know, we've got a lot of time to do that. It's fine because Seattle's going to beat Kansas City and then uh, they're going to go into. Um... Now, to be fair, Kansas City almost lost to Houston. Today. They did. They looked a bit shaky. They only scored under 30 ish points. Like, bad. Bad. So, I mean, anything is possible. Now, Houston also almost beat Dallas last week so maybe they're just on a little bit of a heater right now but you know they're, they're that's that's your daily dose of cope and into uh game week mm. yeah copy cope copy cope uh do you have yes. any other takes about the nfl uh that raiders game was something we didn't talk about we talked about that off air 
but the ending to that game was uh <laughs> i have no idea what the hell J- jacoby myers is thinking in that situation especially with that game tied at 24 all yeah watching a sunday of nfl when the seahawks aren't playing is actually quite nice sometimes because you're reminded it, is nice. that it could always be worse dude the, the football yes the football yesterday was great i don't know if you guys watched any of the games yesterday I but like that do, but that bills yeah. dolphins game was really entertaining Obviously, there was the big comeback for the Vikings against uh, the Colts. Hmm. Um, the the Browns Ravens game was whatever, but yeah, that like the the Bills Dolphins game was really fun. There was like snow, like aesthetically, like it was pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw some great pictures. Yeah, brilliant pictures. <laughs> there was one part though where like they were straight up throwing snowballs at the uh, Dolphins players, like during like mid play. Like down at the goal line. Hmm. Wow! Like fans, oh, yeah, fans, yeah, 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 fans yeah, were like pelting yeah. like dolphins players with yeah. uh, snowballs. Yeah, they they were just waiting for their turn in the gulag. They were waiting to spawn. <laughs> what do you do in that situation if you're like the referee? Like, can you actually penalize the crowd? <laughs> the thing though is that if you set that precedent, which it is a, a an option for them, but if you do that, then you can get false flag operations and opposing opposing mm-hmm. fan dressing up in the home team's garb and trying right, to right yeah because you know. <laughs> if i was i mean i wouldn't do this but dolphins fans if they were there which there's probably a mm. handful i don't know if people are making the trip from down south all the way up there but if they're there they're like oh let me throw some snowballs on the field and help out to a you know <laughs> sounds like you, did it. Like, you think i'd yeah, do that it kind of sounds yeah it kind of sounds like it would yeah it's not yeah it sounds like it sounds sounds like this isn't the first time you've thought about this yeah Hmm. all right what if we talked about the seahawks oh do we have to that's a crazy idea griff i don't think we're contractually obliged i don't actually Um, think it stipulates that we talk about the seahawks i think we can talk about what we want hmm. now you the listener may may enjoy more seahawks stuff that is kind of our repertoire right but do we have to i'd i'd personally prefer not to mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. yep yep but hold on oh the the guy in my ear is telling me that we are contractually obligated oh, to is? talk about the seahawks oh so. shoot yeah well what can i do i guess we might as well mm. where do you want to start with this yeah, Griff. What what do you want to talk about with the Seahawks? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly, you're touching around a bit. Yeah, yeah. You're like guys. We, yeah, we let's let's talk Seahawks. about the Seahawks. Yeah, let's, guess, do it. let's fire up the 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 first series of the Panthers game. Okay. Two two good run stuffs followed by a horrible third and ten run. Okay. Oh, so you're just building us up to knock us down. Yep. That's what it sounds like. That's 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 mean. It is a bit mean, isn't it? Right, this is the start of the... Why is it doing this? We're hmm. having technical issues here on the Seattle Overload podcast. Oh, wow. Look at that. Mm. Big thing. There we go. This is, this is my annotation device, Griff. You haven't seen it before. Mm. As you can tell, I'm, I'm very good with it. And then it's shut like down it. for some reason. Yeah. What did you want to talk about on the opening drive, Griff? Well, the 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 first the first drive series, actually, really the whole first half, Clint Hurt was pretty, and Pete Carroll and everyone involved, pretty adamant about matching personnel um, accordingly. So, like, Panthers obviously are in twelve person or twenty two personnel. No, they're in they're in twenty one personnel. Sorry, twenty one personnel, two back, right, one tight end. And Seattle comes out on a very familiar looking front. Technically it's um technically it's like under, but then the the tight end motions to the field, so now it's over. But they're playing something that they played for for years, right? It's um basically reduced a reduced over front. So Al Woods is your big end, think Red Bryant, Michael Bennett. Really the role never left when those guys left. They just had other guys playing the spot. Um but uh th- this is a, this is the penalty but so they have quentin jefferson as the three technique and the over puna ford is the 
the week one technique. Um, you got Al Woods as a the week four eye four eye technique, and they're this right. Ryan Neal's down in the box, so it's gapped out defense, meaning there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven blockers, so eight gaps. You've got eight defenders in the box, eight primary fitters, so everyone just has one gap. They can all play fast. The you've got a threat in the backfield, uh, a, a blocking threat with the fullback, right? So those weak side runs that that weak that weak B gap is no longer a bubble because you got Al Woods in there. So pretty much they're they're trying to stay sound for you know the dangers that are presented with a fullback, and then also they're even more sound. They can be aggressive because they're. They're playing a one gap defense right now. And they're pretty much saying, like, we can't do it from too high right now. We need all hands on deck. So roll Neil into the box. Um and 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 play ball. Now later on, so so that they get like zone lead here when, when the play starts rolling. Later on, I think there's an issue with Ryan Neal rotating down to the safety. Um, but that's not really evident right now. Now, but the countermeasure is we get pirate stunts as well. So it kind of takes away problems there. Um, okay, so same deal. So they're in an over, but then they bump it. They motion them over. I think they did that on purpose. Or they were in an under front, but they knew motion would be coming a lot. So really, I think they wanted to be in an over front, a reduced over. Yeah. And we should say as well that this is something that Seattle did back in the day. So yeah, this is literally like watching 2013 base Seattle defense where they'd come out in under and then if Y, the tight end went across the formation, like what they'd call it, Y trade, rather than bump the front across, they'd just play under into over or over into under. Yeah. You can see no. here how... Neil's down to the tight end, and so that was the core call of Seattle, just as Neil away from the tight end was when they're running under. All right. So we get a pirate stunt too, but so it's like weak zone lead, right? So Brooks Brooks has to fit that as the lever player, the turnback player. He has to keep his outside, his left shoulder free, and fit the block up with his inside shoulder. Um. And then Barton, because if you get a if you get a zone if you get a lead run to a where to a part of the front where there's no bubble, then that means Barton doesn't have to spill the fullback. He can just play the A gap, or technically, because it's he would play off of Quentin Jefferson really, because there's a pirate involved. But the, this play just shows like when they focus fundamentals and they focus, you know soundness you could say they they have the guys to perform and perform well yeah and again this kind of translates to the san francisco game where they ran basically a similar base approach as this um they they went away from this in the carolina game i believe because our woods got hurt but in the san francisco game they just said well even with mona getting hurt early we're just going to do it we're just yeah. going to play Puna Ford at the big end spot, um, like the five technique, even though he's playing four eye. But the, uh, what would they call it? Like the, the away from the three technique end, like the opposite of what they used to call the Leo. Um, yeah, like Bruce Irvin here is, like Bruce Irvin's playing Leo and Novos is playing Sam right now, if this was yeah. 2014. Um, and then, like, this is how you let Quentin Jefferson work as a base three technique. You you let him play fast, so you slant him, ask him to gain a gap, and he can do that. And he doesn't have to read the play; he just goes, and that's where you know he's not he's not going to get reached. Um, so, like, this is good football. Like, you got Puna Ford power stepping here, right? And he can just get into the block immediately. He can come forward, hands, hips, feet. He he wins that block. And it goes nowhere. Al Woods is a monster. No one's moving him. And then you get your three Leo, your three technique Leo side playing fast. Cody can just fit off of the backside, like you know, messiness. Neil isn't going to have anybody climb to him. 
because you have the pirate, he can just, you know, scrape down the line, squeeze down the line, right? So everything's good. Everything's yeah, Cody's good. almost like a pure, like off the fullback fitter because of um, because of the pirate. Like he doesn't have a gap, so he can just right. flow with it because he knows Neil's the outside guy. Right. So and then the the next play is interesting because look what front they're in. They're in their over over G front. So heavy two I heavy three. You got four line two stand up edges, right? So like a two four, right? This is the two four. Now, but while this is a this has been a problem for them at times, they're saying anytime we're in this front on a rundown, we're gonna make sure we're gapped out. So if you're going to abandon bare or reduced over even or over under front, if if we're gonna abandon that, we're at least gonna be gapped out one high again. So yeah, and you can see they've got it's like the explanation I did, but they've got a guy for each gap in the box, which is what Griff means by gapped out. Where yeah, so, uh, they so like fit it all up. The phrasing gapped out or out gapped. So if you're gapped out, it means for every gap you have a defensive player. Whereas if you're out gapped, that means if you know, if there are eight gaps and you have seven fitters, you're out gapped. Um, now you can have seven guys in the box with eight gaps, but technically have your safety be a primary guy in the fit not just help but primary you can still be gapped out then but you're still outnumbered in the box in a literal sense in this case they have even numbers in the box so, so they're they're good to go um is there typically like a gap that you want that eighth guy that's not in the box to fit like just it going can of that. it, it can because if you're bringing a guy from depth you want it to be like the path of least resistance, right? You want it to be easy because it's if he's coming from 10 yards out, that's a disadvantage as opposed to if you're five, like a linebacker on average. So, you know, you don't want to, uh, you kind of want to keep him protected and let him clean up. Um, so usually an outside gap, you want to spill it so that that path is not diagonal. That path is as straight as it can be because that's literally less distance. The more mm -hmm. diagonal it gets, the more yards you have to literally cover um so well, that, I, and i and i guess going off of that too like if you're getting someone to bounce outside that's going to take up more time and allow for the safety to come up right to have more time to come up absolutely make up that and, ground yeah and and th that's the whole theory behind playing tight when you're in too high because instead of having three techniques you have four eyes you get more blocker control on the tackle but it's like they weren't playing that well early on so they're better better defending the run from too high when they're playing with three techniques in an odd front as opposed to four eyes. That's why they play bare over tight. It's like a very minor adjustment, right? But it's all, again, the devil's in the details. So, so this play it, here. It, also, it depends on what the coverage is. Right. True. So Absolutely. like if you are, you know, like often the coverage will dictate what the fit is. So like, you know, if he's, if he's playing from too high, but he's coming like the, it's it's easy to play certain things depending on the coverage, basically. Gotcha. Because that's the space they're responsible for in pass defense, right? So this motion pulls uh, Neil out of the fit and then pulls Kobe in. So it kicks Neil out and pulls Kobe in. So that's an advantage for McAdoo and the Panthers because now they have a nickel back in the fit instead of a strong safety, and you'd rather have a strong safety in there, right? So motion pulls him in. Um. But this play is interesting, and we see how the heavy techniques allow Brooks to fall back to stack the running back and not because even though they're playing with gapped out principles, Brooks can kind of he can kind of BS the gap he plays and just follow the running back. So like this is them operating how they want to operate. And look at that; he even gets hands on a blocker and and makes a play, and will really show like here. So Al Woods is your nose tackle. He's playing a two eye inside shade on the guard. And then and then Puna is technically a heavy three. So he's the B gap player. But because he's heavy, he can play more control on the guard. And that allows Brooks to kind of BS playing late to the A gap so that he can track the ball. So Neil's out of the fit. Cody's technically your B gap player. Woods A, Brooks A, Puna 4B. 
Um, but it gets really interesting once the play actually hits because you'll because watch what what Brooks does and how he fits off of Puna on this. I think it's a duo run. See, like Puna is pretty much playing a two gapping technique, right? I mean, he's playing like hands in the armpits. And Brooks is that A-gap player to the left of Puna. But watch, he doesn't really play the A. He plays the ball. And he can play off of Irvin, who is who they slant that protects Kobe, but it also protects Brooks. So they're getting action at the ball. And that allows Brooks to play fast and not play lateral and slow. Like it the, the whole picture works because Puna's controlling the gap. They're activating Irvin. They're getting action at the ball. And then Brooks can kind of just, you know, vibe a little bit. Yeah, because if the runners hit up Brooks's A gap here, because uh, Irvin's played gap control uh, well, and and Poon is keeping the guard off, uh, yeah. Br Brooks would be able to beat the tackle inside the A gap. Like Absolutely. he'd be able to act if the run decided to cut back up here, um, like this. Then Brooks is going to beat this tackle here, and and Poon's got this guard all jammed up. So. Yeah. Brooks can stay kind of like Griff was saying. He can kind of play the running back into his gap. Yeah. Uh, because and, of the heavy three. And I think so, like, it's, yeah, they start off this this series, the opening drive with like being exactly what they're trying to be. And like, why play? Why immediately abandon your heavy reduced over front, you know, like in the second play of the game again? Well, they're, they're in one back. So they're pretty much saying, I think they're in 11 personnel. We're going to, we're going to play this over front so we can still play aggressive elsewhere if it's a pass. Um, but we're going to at least stay gapped out to let our guys play aggressive when if it's a run and not, you know, not let there be any confusion. So it's like, hey, they know what they're risking by playing a, a nickel over front as a, a nickel even front as opposed to, you know, heavier. They know what it is. But the fact that they are executing the way that they're supposed to within it it's, it allows them to do that so that's like a it's, it's like a, a success so far um yeah so man i don't know if you have anything else to add on this play but it's this third right. and ten run that is just absolutely mind-breaking so like immediately they're in two back it's third and ten they're spreading you out with the receiver formation, the receiver splits. You're in too high. It makes sense. Third and 10, you're thinking pass, but like you can't get too, <laughs> you, you can't act like the, you know, the run doesn't exist here. Like, I don't know why the, like why they're really trying to rush Sam Donald. They have two, three techniques. It's like a NASCAR front. I feel like it's playing with fire a little bit too much. But yeah, maybe maybe that's hindsight, you know. Maybe that's just too much, you know. Hindsight. No, but it's not though, because live I was like, oh, it's two back. Um, that's a that's a spread up formation, and they better not be. They better stunt here or or do something. Um, it, so it's, you can say it's hindsight, and yeah, but it, it's it's silly. Uh, it is silly, and uh, you can see as Griff was saying about his out gapped thing or gapped out here you can see they're out gapped because seattle has a uh, two seven guys gaps. high seven gaps seven, six six man yeah, box six man box yeah so and that is a problem um especially with the way that they can with the two back one of them can move he could block to his left or to his right you don't necessarily know where that gap's going to be so you can't really ask a safety to to cheat uh, as well as you could as if it was like a tight end where the gap is attached to the line of scrimmage. So it's stationary um, and mm -hmm. you can sort of cheat the math more easily. Um, so if we play it out, the, the fact that they're outnumbered in the box and what they could have done is what, what we said is they could have done that pirate stunt again where the three tech slants a gap over um, into the a gap and then the uh defensive end slants a gap over into the b gap and then they spill the block of the fullback to cheat the math um it bounces the ball outside then the guys who are outnumbered in the box can rally to the football it buys them more time 
you could also then spill the ball to the perimeter and the boundary cornerback. Uh, Tariq Woolen, you could involve him in the run fit to cheat the math, or you might buy time for the safety who's playing hard off that. But the fact that Seattle saw two back and they didn't have a check for it, and this is a common theme of like uh, throughout games, they will be they're not very proactive. They sort of get a problem posed to them and they let it happen. Um, yeah. And you'll be like, oh no, don't do that. And then it it happens. So you can see here, uh, Darnold's actually looking at his wristband because he's like, oh hell yeah. Um, is that Tabor? T's Tabor yeah. tries to show us yeah. that he's coming down, but we we know he's not. Even like Neil here is like the way he comes up to the line of scrimmage. That is because he was trying to influence the pass protection scheme. He's thinking pass. He comes up to yeah. fake as though he's blitzing to try and get them to slide um, or play man-on-man pass protection, try and mess with the blocking scheme and get one-on-ones for his four-man rush up front. Um, so th- th- this, what, what is the coverage? Is the coverage three buzz? Is it cover three buzz or is this quarter quarter half with quarters to the to the slot side and then cover two weak because yeah, that I think was... this is six yeah cover six yeah quarter so quarter. then that means so this is where the this is where the mistake happens from neil because that means that means neil is a lever player because he's the 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 widest guy in the fit at the second level mm. and that means Diggs is the backside lever player and Brooks is the spill. So watch how Neil takes Neil takes the block on like he's trying to spill it with a heavy with like taking on thick, and like he just narrows his track. If he just gets wide, even if he gets blocked to hell on this, if he just gets wide and gets horizontal leverage, make the ball fan out more if it still spills, if it rolls off the table, so to speak, or maybe even cut it back. It's going to be a six yard gain, and it's you're off the field. What's also unusual is the way that the first the first guy to the party, uh, defense friend Daryl Taylor, he doesn't on what yeah. on what is basically a um, it's counter. Um, he he doesn't spill the puller. He boxes it. And usually Seattle, like Bruce Irvin, for instance, he is taking it on with his inside shoulder to make to blow up the block and try and cheat the math again. Yeah. But Taylor boxes it, which which creates a bit more of an issue. Um, and then the way Neil plays it would work if his spilling, if uh, Tariq Woolen was actually playing like cloud force or just cloud. But Seattle with Woolen has been using him almost. Okay, he's technically a cover two corner, but he's basically playing man to man on on the outside receiver here. You see, his man turns his like eyes a, aren't looking a, at the ball. A cloud carry or whatever. Yeah, you call yeah, it. which is kind of odd, but it denies the whole shot. But then, like, if he's doing that, then why not allow this safety to then be more aggressive up up in yeah. here? Like when he when he sees run. Good point. So maybe I mean because. Because Tease, he would not be a primary fitter. He would just be like alley help, which is still important. Because like a lot of like a lot of two high teams still fit the run with their secondary fitters, like the guys that aren't the main contributors. They still make a difference in the big picture. But like yeah, with the end zone angle, watch Neil. It's like he narrows up and then he realizes immediately that he got too narrow and he should have just, I mean, maybe he thinks he's a spill fitter. Maybe he thinks tease is in the fit. Well, yeah, this is, this is how I, I think, I think it would be, um, it could be an assignment error, not an execution thing. Cause if, 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 if he was, if he is the spill, then that's fine, you know, execution. So then, but then that might mean his he, he he's wrong in his assignment. So it's one or the other. I feel. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Bo Pelini, like the guy who plays too high to, or did play too high to all these kinds of looks. He he would say, uh, yeah, uh, Kobe Bryant's out of the fit because he has a slot. Um, I think he'd say that Neil was the spill player, and then he'd play Cloud Force, and he'd have he'd probably bullshit the backside quarter safety into being uh or the backside 
half safety into right. being a lever. But the pra- the problem is like he's a half safety. So yeah, again, it's safety. it's the your um when, when you're when you're double when rotated you're, right when, when you're when you're trying to bullshit you know extra fitters with and when, from cover two it's the corner or the overhang right so i feel like i feel like th- there's unless they're unless they have some wacky way of like maybe they're just acting like the run doesn't exist with this call otherwise neil's the edge of your he's the edge of your second level the ball he has to turn the ball back in i feel the only other thing that makes sense is that they fit the run with spill and overlap mechanics where brooks would technically be the overlap player but that doesn't make sense here um it is them just not thinking the run exists but it's ridiculous with the two-back presentation and and this is also mcadoo influencing things with 11 personnel because 11 personnel they're thinking one back because 80 is a tight end not a fullback except right now he's a fullback or h-back whatever yeah um so really unfortunate and then and then like again there's a lot of in this panthers game and we'll move on to the 49ers game and there's panthers game when they're sound and they're they know what they they kind of know what they're getting on early downs there's they defend the run really well the first half and it's not until woods goes out in the second half that they fall apart and also, they fall apart like schematically. It's like they kind of abandoned being sound. They, they play their over G front against two back. It's like, why? Like, why, why is, well, why are, why are they deciding to do that? They're, they're putting Brooks, in, like they're pretty much abandoning Brooks and Barton, like putting them on islands with with lever keys and stuff when they're outgapped in the box. Um, it's just the way they decided to match personnel. I don't know how they game planned it. Maybe maybe McAdoo did something like a tendency breaker again, and then maybe that's why they they seem so on their heels. But when especially when you lose Woods, just load the box, play cover three all game. Who cares if if they get one of their play actions to pop because you're not playing with buzz rotation, you're playing with sky rotation. If one of them pops, so be it. If if you have to go play robber, cover three robber, cover three buzz help you leverage crossing routes that's the problem but just defend the run the whole game because that's what they're doing they're they're not hiding who they are so the the second half was really perplexing to me i thought the players came to play the whole game until they didn't but i do think that scheme was the the domino that unraveled everything in the second half so yeah so what is interesting is that they kind of built on that first half with woods in there as i've said but to sort of repeat a point because it's very important is that seattle does appear and there's no like new idea in football like everything has sort of been done before um and each system will feature very similar ideas because they're good ideas that being said from the start of the season where we didn't really see this Seattle now appears to be running uh, defensive calls that were the basis of like their old defense with Pete Carroll system. So they're kind of in this weird world where they're kind of bastardizing two systems to try and get things that work for their players. And it's all well and good saying, oh, well, the players can't do what we want. But then like, uh, in terms of the Fangio stuff, but like, you know, at what point is it you just need like an elite lineman to make it work? Like, because like that blue chipper, like it's kind of, it seems weird to me that they haven't been able to really get the concepts coached up for any of the front, like the, the you know, the concepts they wanted to run. So this is right. the under zone X Frisco thing that against the 49ers, this, they spent like, the most time in the against sorry the most time against the 49ers in this under zone x frisco defense which was the basis of their defense back in 2012 13 14 uh, so weak rotated cover three with an under front and okay you can say they've adapted their bare front into this but for me it's kind of yeah it's just i mean really so uh, under zone so frisco and stone like Rock Frisco, Stone Boston, et cetera, and even just regular Frisco like this. Really what you're saying is like Bear is really just an extension of this where you say, okay, 
we need like even more Frisco. We need even more Boston. So you do yeah. that by just kicking that weak end in or that strong end in, depending on the precise front. And but like the the principles, the philosophy is the same. We're trying to plug the interior bubbles. We don't want two back to kill us. We don't want the the, the changing gap to kill us. And we're going to stay sound and we're going to play technique and just choke you out. And, and we're going to be gapped out. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that is the. Uh, that is the main takeaway. We'll get into the 49ers tape in a bit more detail, including the offense stuff uh, next Thursday in our show. But that was a, a brief look at the Panthers game and how there was sort of the roots of what's to come. And to me, like, Carroll's very bullish on the defense because I think they did play well against San Francisco, barring, like, one or two plays, like, a few busts from being a rookie, that kind of stuff. But to me, I think he's bullish because my take on this the the situation from the outside is that he may have had uh, a, a bit more influence again and said, look, we need to just... Look, we need to stop the run. We need to play football that's going to stop the run at, at, at first and how do we stop the run well we go back to the core calls you can do it out of a three four personnel heck seattle it, they always said they were a four three with three four personnel right so you can do it out of that um and they are doing um and i don't i don't recall now, against San Francisco, Seattle was always tempted to get into basically under from their bear look because of like the issues of uh, not only not only the um, not only that it covers up the bubbles, but if I if I share my screen again, and and Shanahan hates it. I mean, that's why he hired Robert Sala because he hates scheming against. He does. Like he said that, like it's too sound. There, there, it presents too many answers on paper. Yeah, and he doesn't like that because his whole game is what hurts you on paper, and I'm going to run that. So if we, uh, I'll just put this in a better color. But the other thing that under allows you to do, and why Seattle loves it against San Francisco in particular, is uh, it stops power um, because the the defensive end. Say this defensive end wasn't here, and they were playing bare. So they will have a zero technique and a three technique here. Then this tight end, as we've spoke about before, has a clean release uh, to this linebacker well. here. And it hits up this C gap um, because this guy flows outside of the puller. This guy's the force. Uh, this guy comes crashing through. And then it goes right up here with a, say, a backside pull up here. Um, but what under allows you to do with my very messy drawing is under has a big ass five technique right in that C gap. And so if you're going to down block, then the white tank is going through him um, and he can't go and get the inside linebacker off the ball yeah. on the backside. So you get, you end up getting a clean bracket on that lead block, the mic and the yeah. will in outside inside leverage ball goes nowhere. Yeah. So Seattle has always liked that against San Francisco, but nonetheless, I don't recall seeing it in the first game. These two teams played and obviously San Francisco is very different with Trey Lance in there. But I also like the big thing for me is that we were calling out for more of uh, this stone front uh, up um, here. We were calling out for this 6-2 look because of how the weak reduced over front removes the bubbles of the defense, as Griffin said, and it, it will help them play gapped out and stop the run and help them play two back and the problems against it. And now, lo and behold, they've suddenly started running it at a higher rate, albeit what they do now, because they don't have a cam chancellor, is rather than have the strong safety down at the line of scrimmage and playing as the force player, what they do now usually, uh, and also to combat some constraint places, they have the defensive end wide and the strong safety is often off the line of scrimmage playing up in the C-gap um, mm -hmm. rather than to the tight end side. So... And that also but, a doubles letting the the left end play a little bit more aggressively if it's a pass you can kind of get up yes field. yeah so um it's sort of been adapted to the modern game but that's something they did again with like ken norton jr in 2020 and 2021 they they had that tweak so it is to me i don't know i think my 
theory is that Pete has probably stepped in and said, look, we should just go back to this so that we can stop the run and get in the playoffs. Uh, and it almost worked against San Francisco, but we will dive into that in more detail on Thursday, as I said. Griff, do you think maybe Pete's had another word or am I deleted? No, I mean, I, I agree with you that I, I think Pete is definitely inserting himself. I mean, when you when you when your run defense is that bad or when it has been that bad, then you, you have severe like it doesn't matter how good your past defense is or can be like that's total system breakdown. You have got to be you at least have to get yourself something within the realm of like 20th ranked run defense even uh, because even that is not very like efficient running right so you, you just need to not be horrendous like again the 2012 2013 run defenses were average the 2013 defense is one of the best defenses of all time and it had average run defense it just wasn't a disaster it was fine nothing better they didn't really get elite until 14 15 16 and it's no coincidence that michael bennett became a, a three down player at that point replacing red bryant i loved red bryant Michael Bennett was just different, right? Elite run defender and pass rusher. So um, they have the guys, in my opinion, to absolutely be average. They were 10th last year with, you know, I'm in, in my opinion, the box, they made upgrades. Shelby Harris is an upgrade over Kerry Hyder. Kerry Hyder was playing three technique for them last year in Bear. Now you have Shelby Harris doing, I'd rather have Shelby. Quentin Jefferson is a minor upgrade over Rasheem Green as a run defender in Bear. Rasheem Green's 275, Quentin's 290. I'd rather have the 290 guy. Um, even if he's not a good run defender in isolation, he's still an upgrade over the snaps that was being played in his stead last year. So it's, I, I think, I mean, it, it doesn't make sense if with every single player in the box has a, a regression to varying degrees or is all over the place. It's not enough to just say, oh, well, they just got bad. Like, there's something deeper going on. So Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think they yeah, I don't think they have got bad. I think they struggled with what's being asked of them and it a lot of the mistakes just look like uh, they they're not on the same page and there's like a there's not quite the understanding of why they're doing that thing. Right. It's, and that to me really does point towards like it certainly should lead to concerns over what they could been coaching. Like I don't know how you can't translate to NFL players what you were trying to get out of it um so i i feel like you kind of start from the ground up and you you make sure that you can fit the run from any look and you at least know exactly what you're doing and you kind of isolate your your scheme down and and you really because they're not they still don't want to be once they fix the run whether that's this year or this off season they're still they're going to fix the run but they can't be a one high team forever they still have to go back to too high for a variety of reasons so they have they're going to figure it out and that might just mean being less multiple in the past game the way they want to be mm. and you just have to cut your losses the best way to offset that the mm -hmm. lack of multiplicity is finding elite pass rushers because it just makes it easier it just makes everything easier but you know what's in my mind as well like back uh, against that in that first 49ers game, they ran the 40 front, like Fangio's version of Stone or Boston, uh -huh. the reduced, reduced over front. So, why did they not go back to that? Why have they, do you see, like, why have they gone back Is to it... Stone in Pete's, in Pete's design? In Pete's sense. Because uh, to me, that only points towards it being Pete who's Pete's said they're doing this. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and like, so we said this before we recorded uh clint hurt has as we know a very diverse coaching background like it's really cool just that he gets to made, made all these stops but he's been in seattle since 2017 he spent three two and a half three years coaching frisco or frisco in boston which is their under and over front and with some bears a su supplementary call right and then it wasn't until 2020 when they started majoring in bear three four their brand of it but still three four so he knows you could argue that he probably knows pete's system maybe not in theory but in practice he knows it better than fangio's system because he's it he was in chicago in 2016. he's been in seattle since 2017. so it might also be that hurt might be a little rusty and especially going back to fangio 
not as a defensive line coach, but as a DC where he's away from the D line a little bit more. Like Hurt might have been fine if he was still the DL coach and they moved toward Fangio stuff, right? Theoretically. So at this point, it's you kind of need to go back to what you know, what Hurt knows, what Pete knows within this world, and still like they can they can live in the too high world they want. Last year was proof. They can make it work, but they just kind of need, need need to go back to that. Um, it's kind of wild to me as well. Like I don't know, like I'd be so interested into how this is all being coached and they're trying to make it cohesive and it doesn't like to me. It was very hard to uh, avoid this being like you know a lot of stuff to learn for players and a l- especially young players or rookies or or um yeah uh, but also like yeah how do you make that cohesive as a plan and not just be like well we're doing this now we're doing this and we're calling this this now and we're calling this this and i guess there's a way to uh sort of bs your way into these things but that it seems like different rules that have been learned stuff that's yeah. been learned and they're not going to use so they've sort of wasted time teaching it this year like it seems like I a mean, big mess is, um, is, that's is what it, happens with a bad it, defense Agreed. Agreed. And is it as simple, like you're saying, like a, like a, a breakdown into the chain of logistics, like how you like, like, l- 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 I don't know what I'm saying. Just basically like, you know, the way you communicate, is it not actual, the football, the theory and everything? Mm. Um, there you go. Well, no. maybe we'll get some answers at the end of the season. Maybe we won't tie. How, how was that? What, is there anything we need to explain better? <clears throat> uh, no, that was good. I asked okay. all the questions that I had uh, during the uh, the tape part, but everything else, I, th- I think that's good. And uh, we'll build on that on Thursday with the uh, 49ers tape review. Full there we go. 49ers tape review. There yeah. we go. And uh, Wednesday, Ty and I will be back with our newsy sort of podcast looking ahead a, a bit towards that Saturday game where we will have our live reaction show uh, on Christmas Eve. It will it'll probably be Christmas by the time I hop on. And as as I said, we may have had some uh, Christmas Eve beverages, so that would be fun. Uh, yeah. Hopefully Seattle wins. Okay. That would, that would be lovely. That would be a great Chiefs, Christmas gift. Chiefs did lose to the Texans, right? No, no they won. They won in overtime. Oh. Oh, but uh, they need. That's what we were saying at the start, Griff. It's uh, uh, under thirty right. points. There's room for cope. Yeah, yes, exactly. indeed. Play cover two. Um, yeah. Griff, anyway, any any jokes before we? Uh, no, 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 no. We we end on jokes tight. Please uh, like the show, right, right, right. comment. Thanks everyone for joining live. If you're listening, pass it on to a friend. Five star review, please, and download the show if you haven't already. You know subscribe and whack good stuff we really do appreciate you and uh yeah that's that's my bit done let's see how prepared i got is. i got something topical for you guys what did one snowman say to the other mm. um i didn't um i don't can snow uh people talk yeah do i didn't know that do you smell carrots <laughs> that's pretty good it's a good one. It's a good one. Oh. <laughs>